Hi, and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Runneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization to work and business to health and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges, but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hey, Taylor County, I'm Alex Renneman from Unleashed Tiger, and with me is Garrett Steyer, who's running for the House Delegates for the 48th District. Garrett, thanks for joining the uh, program. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so the 48th District, just so everyone knows, it, it covers a sliver of Taylor County, right? That yeah. western end over there, uh, Jerry Dove, those areas. And uh, Garrett's wanted to come on the show and, and talk to us about what he's, uh, what he's doing. So, Garrett, why don't we just start right off with what, what is a House Delegates member? They are a representative of the district that chooses them uh, to represent them in the House. Gotcha. And that's usually um, some districts, you know, have, have more representatives depending on population size and such. But uh, my district, the 48th district, has four. And um, I hope to win one of those seats. <laughs> that's, that's a great point. So you're a multi-member district, yes. so it's the top four vote-getters that yes. ultimately get that position. Whereas in the 48th district, or 49th district, which, we, which is the rest of Taylor County, I think, um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one, one delegate. So that, yeah. that is the interesting thing about your district. Um, and I, I, mean, I think you guys have got like a dozen or more candidates kind of running. Several, seven in the Republican Party alone. Okay, wow, that's crazy. Okay, so why run? Why run? You know, running is a well, challenge anyway. I, well, I, I didn't plan on running at such a young age. I'm 18 years old. Um, I planned on running uh, later in life because I've always had an aspiration for politics. But I've, okay. um, I planned to run after seeing uh, some of the ways that our current representatives have voted um, on, on key crucial uh, bills throughout the House, um, such as, you know, Terry Waxman not deciding to cap um, the pay for insulin. And I, 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 you know, throughout the year I was, I had thought, you know, maybe I, maybe I'm that candidate. Maybe I'm the person who's really going to give that voice to the people in our district. And I, I truly hope to do that. I really hope to do so. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you get the right to vote, and then you just jump into the race, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're old enough to vote, and now you're old enough to jump in. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for you. Well, good. We're glad you're in the mix, man. Um, so share with us. I mean, you know, 18 is, is a young, but share with us a, a role or a challenge or some kind of experience in your life that has led you, at least in part, to believe you can be qualified for this job role. Well, you know, throughout high school, throughout, my, uh, the, throughout the church that I, you know, that I attend, I've, I've been put in certain leadership roles, and I've done well in those leadership roles, um, especially, you know, uh, I'm a part of DECA and FBLA. Uh, I was recently an officer, not an officer currently, but I recently was. Um, we went to na uh, a national competition, and, you know, there's several things throughout my high school career where I, you know, I, I've kind of seen that I fit into that leadership role, that um, the sort of parts of being a delegate that someone needs to represent their district. and I. I've, I, I kind of check all the boxes, except I'm not very experienced, but that obviously, sh you know, shouldn't lead anyone not to vote for me, just because I don't have experience, you know. Yeah, makes sense. So if you're elected, what's your strategy? I mean, you talked about some things that really sounds yeah. like you got some passion rolling in here. So what's your strategy for a successful uh, term if you're able to be elected? Well, I plan to hopefully vote for, um, to get a permanent funding source for PEIA recipients. Um, we've seen in the past few years where they've been told that they were going to get this permanent funding source, but when the time comes to, you know, give them that funding, magically not there. And um, I plan to give them a permanent source. That way, you know, their insurance is fixed. And after, 
you find that permanent uh, fixed PEIA, I'm sorry, hopefully um, we can increase their pay as well. Obviously the state's not in the, the best financial state that we've been, but um, I believe that our public employees deserve, you know, the insurance that they need. Yeah, great. Makes sense. How, how do you, when you look at a term upcoming, right, mm -hmm. let's, say, let's say you're fortunate to be elected, you've got a two-year term before the next cycle, how would you define success for your, for your position? I believe a candidate who, who successfully, um, sorry, I'm trying to find a way to work yeah, this. Yeah, sure. That. Yeah. Um, a, a candidate who, uh, you know, really finds a base with the people of their district, someone who um, really touches base with people. Um, I've not come from some higher-up political family. I've, you know, kind of just blue-collar, uh, been raised that way, and you know, I feel that I am more like the majority of the voters in our district, and I could, you know, serve them well. Yeah, so truly represent. Yeah, right? truly yeah. represent. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, what will you then, then, you know, to be represented, and, and I always, I never miss a shot to say, look, your representative republic yeah. means the republic has to be, has to be engaged, has exactly. to be educated, and has exactly. to be ready. So, so those folks you want to represent, what are you going to ask of them to help you be successful? I ask that, you know, no matter what age, um, you should get involved. Get involved with your candidates. Talk. Give, give us ideas of you know what you would like to see. And um, I, I see that where there's a lack of communication between the people and their candidate, uh, the people and their representatives. And I, I think that is what leads them sometimes to vote in certain ways that the people in their district don't find favorable. You know, is because there's there's a lack of communication. And I really would love for the people of my district, especially, to get involved in. Uh, you know, talk to us, uh, talk to our current uh, current delegates, and hopefully, um, you know, establish this this line of communication between us and the people. Because truly, you know, our state, you know, we may look as candidates or delegates, but we are, you know, we are one of the people. We, you know, we're just like you. We, you know, live the lives that you do. So, problems that you're facing, more than likely, we are facing. But um, if we aren't, you know, it's perfect, you know, for you to to write letters, to you know, send emails, to let your candidate know, and hopefully set up a line of communication. That's, yeah. that's the main thing. Yeah, that's great. I tell you, consistently, candidates are always saying, we need feedback, we need feedback. So mm -hmm. if you're listening, as you're watching yes. this, uh, feedback, 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 that's, what they're, that's really what, what folks say they want, and I, and I believe them. Um, when you look at the state, there's always, it's easy to cherry pick tons of challenges we're up against, and we'll yes. talk about those in a minute. But before we do that, what are our opportunities? What do we have that's special? Our state has many, many natural resources um, that have been untapped, obviously, because of environmental regulations and, and things put on um, by uh, people elected. But there's, there's so much opportunity. There's, there's uh, so many people here who have the ability to make this state a better place. You know, but a lot of them don't. Um, a lot of our uh, children growing up eventually end up leaving the state. Uh, they don't want to stay here and try to help with the problems that we're facing, and I think that's a huge problem. You know, if if our children are not wanting to stay in this state, then where are we going? Where are we ending up? You know, and um, I see that especially. You know, I'm I'm of course 18. I see that with a lot of my friends. A lot of my friends want to leave, and I I don't get that. I, I couldn't imagine leaving my home and going to another place and trying to fix another place when our home needs us. Yeah. So those needs, you mentioned people leaving, that's one thing, but 
What are some of those challenges? What are some of the problems? What's, what's driving people away potentially? There's, there's not a lot of job opportunity, especially in the fields that some of the, uh, a lot of people you know, aspire to get into. Obviously, um, if you're looking for a blue-collar job, West Virginia has plenty of those. And, uh, not plenty, but they have, um, there, there's opportunities for blue-collar jobs. But um, a lot of people who want to go into more advanced things, um, you, you have to move out of the state. The state doesn't have those opportunities for you, and you know, they, they lose that that aspiration for that job if they don't leave. Yeah. When we look at a couple, um, you know, on the state level and really every, every level and it's certainly the national level struggle globally is struggling yeah. with things like COVID-19 coronavirus and, and, you know, the, the opioid epidemic is more, more relegated to the U.S., but certainly uh, other, other. So when you look at from a state perspective and, you know, as a delegate, you're a leader and, yes. and you're someone that, that our community will look to in, t in these times when, when something massive comes in from the outside, maybe unexpected, yeah. maybe expected, but what can you do in your role to, to make sure we're prepared um, to at least maybe you know, make make the impact a little less uh, less painful than what it yes. could be. I mean, what 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 do you think there? Corona that I know of has not impacted um, West Virginia greatly yet, and and I hate to say yet because I don't want to cause panic, but obviously, other parts of the country are being greatly impacted by this, and our House and Senate, you know, state government in general, you know, need to prepare in case this does hit us because if it does, we don't have the resources. Um, you have so many people living you know, in rural areas, not near hospitals, can't get the treatment they need to stop this before it spreads. So that obviously, you know, the state does need to do something um, yeah, and to get it under control. And, and really, you know, to your point, as we're recording this, there's no recorded cases, reported cases in West Virginia. Yeah. But by the time this post is quick, things are moving. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, you, um, you have no idea. And, you know, and if it's not, if it's not COVID-19, if that ends up being hopefully, hopefully it ends up dying out. And that's what we all hope and we want. Yes. But there's, there's, an, there's another pandemic on the, the horizon. There's always something. There's, there's some event, unfortunately, that's coming at us that we need leaders. We need leaders to stand up and have already potentially thought through some, some solutions exactly. and be ready to stand firm when the time comes. Yes. Okay, great. Um, so, so we polled the community on, on questions they might want to ask for, for, uh, for, for delegates. And you know, there's, there's, there's a few in here, and this is where we get some, some more of the issue-based stuff, and, and I'm happy for you to entertain any of the issues that you feel that are, that are important and near and dear to your heart. But one of the things that comes to mind often in, in when we reach out is school choice. Yes. And I'd like to understand kind of what your strategy is, what you think is valuable for, for our community in this region, but also just the state at large. What, what really makes a, a good sense of a strategy for you around school choice? I believe that um, our public school system obviously needs, you know, many touch-ups. And I, I don't think that, you know, you have um, many delegates who, you know, want to bring in charter schools. Danny Hamrick, our current delegate, voted in favor of bringing in charter schools. And charter schools have not proved to me or to anybody in the state that they can, um, that, that ac their academic, you know, criteria is any better. They have, they show, they've shown no results saying that, you know, that charter schools work better than, uh, excuse me, work better than public schools. And um, until they do, I don't see a need for it. I, I mean, obviously our public school system is in um, a very bad situation. But if we get that fixed, there's no need for charter schools. There's no need for another alternative. Obviously, private schools, if you'd like to send your kid to a private school, by all means do so. Um, but you have our public schools who, you know, people can't afford to send their kids to private schools. So they depend on these public schools. So when you come up with this idea of, of charter schools and taking, you know, the top 10, top 15 percent um, of those schools, 
um, they're going to lose that. They're going to lose that funding, obviously. If those, you know, um, if a student goes to a charter school, um, the state gives them however much we're going to go with nine to between nine and fourteen thousand dollars per student, and they go to that charter school. What happens if something falls through and they go back to the public school? They get kicked out, or you know, something happens. They go back to the public school. Where's that money? Because the charter school doesn't have to give that back to the public, you know. So they get this nine and fourteen thousand dollars, and and it's just I, I'm not in favor at all of charter schools. Yeah. Okay, what about broadband, man? That's a topic. Um, you know, if you're along I-79 or whatever, maybe you got great, but but when you get off the beaten path just a little bit in West Virginia, people are suffering. People are unable yes. to get online with. Maybe maybe they have what's what's what some people are calling broadband, but it's really not. Yeah. And for us to be able to compete. I mean, I think it's I think it's largely felt we need we need better broadband across we the do. state. What's your perspective on that, and what's your strategy for helping get that to to every West Virginia? I'm sorry, what is broadband? So broadband internet. So the idea oh, of getting okay. yep okay. yep sorry, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> uh, through, I, I, I heard the word. I just you know yeah yeah yeah. My mind. But um, in order to reach everyone, um, I'm not sure. I don't really have a plan for that. Um, that question's never came up to me, but uh, you know, certainly I will work on that um, to get internet access to everybody. Because uh, you know, everybody needs, especially in this you know uh, day and age, um, That's right. in order for you know you to get the news, especially you know now with this coronavirus, there are people. <laughs> I guarantee you there are people in our state, you know, in our in my district that you know they don't know about the coronavirus because they don't have access to the internet, they don't have access to these other things, and. You know, th this is something that certainly needs to be taken care of. Yeah, and I think you'll find, you know, when you go, it's it maybe again around around Harris County, there may, there may be more more connectivity. There probably is. Yeah, there, there yeah. But when you go into Taylor County, or even when you go further out now, when you're from a from a state representative standpoint, there are pockets of this of this uh, state that either have no coverage or just really poor coverage. And sometimes it's crazy. It's just right, just just a little bit off the beaten path, yeah. and you know you're out. I mean, we had to run it to our house literally yes. uh, to get it. So it's it's a real frustration for folks and something you know we've got we've got to find a solution as a state. Uh, we're we're going to continue to get left behind. Um, medical marijuana. Let's talk about that one. Okay. That's another popular one that comes in. There's medical marijuana. There's recreational marijuana. Can can you kind of guide us through what your feelings are and your strategy around what you think <coughs> fits where we are in, in today's when uh, this, in the state? When the whole medical marijuana debate came into um, into the House, they showed or, or into the House and the Senate. There was a video that that the supporters of this love to show, and it's and it's a video. It's usually typically a woman, and it's you know she's sick and. She's in pain, and, and there's no human way that you could tell that woman no. You can't tell her that, you know. Medical marijuana, to me, is absolutely acceptable, you know. If, if it relieves your pain in any way, especially for dying patients, patients with cancer, um, then absolutely. But recreationally, I don't see a need for it. You know, tobacco, uh, it, it affects much of our state already. Um, marijuana, medically, um, I mean, not medically, like, you know, health-wise, it, it affects you. It really does, um, you know, because if, if nicotine and other, you know, smokable products harm your lungs in that way, I guarantee you that marijuana does it, if not to that effect, worse. And, um, and you see, you know, it has a much more effect um, temporarily than the nicotine does uh, to people who use it. And, and a lot of people want to say, well, alcohol does the same thing, but it's legal. Well, if you have a certain amount of people dying in, and, and car accidents with people who are intoxicated, usually not the person who's intoxicated, but the other people affected by this, don't you think that there will be more people infected or affected if you, if you allow people to, to smoke? You know, because obviously they're going to tell you, oh, you can't, you, you can't smoke and drive. Well, you can do the same thing when you drink. Nobody's going to catch you until, you until someone's dead. 
you know, so someone ends up hurt. These numbers will double if we allow recreational marijuana use. And, and that's why I can't, I, I can't support it. I, I support it medically, but I, I couldn't support it recreational, you know, recreationally. Yeah, makes sense. And there's, there's so many topics, and we can go through some of those. And if you're fortunate enough to make it through the primary, I think that's something we'll get into more depth of, of topics. Um, if there's any topics you'd like to cover, but I, I, I do love this question, um, this whole magic legislation question. If you could craft a legislation that would, you, you have endless resources, whatever you might want to do, and you have no opposition, you can pass it through the House and with flying colors. It, it goes on crossover day. The, the Senate passes it. Everything's good. The governor signs it to law. Everybody's happy. Okay. What would that legislation be? Legislation would definitely be higher pay for public employees, um, all public employees. But I focus more on the school system. Uh, you know, our schools need more funding um, for sports programs, for you know, arts programs, and and uh, the teachers especially. You can't expect um, teachers to want to fill these positions when you have Virginia, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, Ohio with much higher pay than we do, and um, you can't expect them to want to. You know, to want to become a teacher, to want to become an an educator, so you get um, a less a less qualified teacher. If, if you know this person, who you know these people who have the ability, who could teach greatly, but decide not to because the state doesn't, you know, doesn't give you enough money. PEIA is a mess. It doesn't have a permanent funding source. So, so why would anyone want to become a teacher in this state? And I absolutely thank those teachers who are, you know, uh, you know, a public employee in the state. It, it is very hard. I couldn't. I could not do the job that they it's do. Tough work. It is very tough work. Yeah. Um, but and, and see, that's why I think that you should have a you should have a on this issue. You should have representative who has at least seen the way that our school system has been in these past five years minimum, because the school system has rapidly changed in the past ten years alone. Um, so I couldn't imagine what it was like 15, 20 years ago when um, Danny Hamrick was in school. Or when you know these other these other candidates running were in school, I couldn't imagine you know the the complete culture shock they would see if they were in school. And I recently, you know, I've been in school recently, and and I have seen the problems that these teachers face. And I think that of all the candidates running, I more than likely am the one that could help them the most. Makes sense. But yeah, uh, back to the I'm sorry, back to, back to the uh, the endless funding. Um, I definitely would attack. I would take on the school system first, and I absolutely. You know, provide funding to all the schools, um, especially in my district. But I'd love to do it across the state, um, especially pay for the teachers, because there's no way that that teachers are going to continue to stay in the positions they are, or they aren't going to move on and leave. You know, the state if we don't give them better pay, at least a permanent funding source to PEIA. Pay would be the next thing that I would go after after we establish a permanent funding source for PEIA. Yeah, makes sense. Good. So, really lighthearted question. Okay. We also pulled people said, "Hey, give us a give us a lighthearted question." And I, I love this one. It's, "What are you most grateful for?" I am most grateful for my mother, definitely yeah. my mother. And it's um, you know, again, I said that I came from a you know blue collar family, and she's for most of my life been the breadwinner um, in our family, and. You know, she's put forth a lot of hard work, and if it wasn't for her, I certainly would not be running for house. <laughs> you know, I, and I didn't really get into politics until, you know, and, and she recently has as well. She's gotten into politics. This is something we talk about now that it's becoming part of my life. Um, but, yeah, she is absolutely the thing I'm most grateful for. Great. Awesome, man. Well, hey, as customary on this program, we offer you the last word. So, Kenneth, what, what, what do you want to have to say to the voters? 
I would like to say don't let my age, you know, bar you from wanting to vote for me. Um, I believe that the only, especially for our public employees, um, I am the best choice because not only will I bring the voice back to our district, but I will continue to give 110% to the people who vote for me. No, I mean, not, I'm sorry, not just vote for me. But <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The people I represent, uh, not not the people who vote for me. I cannot believe I just said That's that. That's great. That's that's glorious. No, people people have a yeah. sense of humor on this. It's great. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So, Brandon Steyer, thank you. Um, I'm Steyer. sorry, guess <laughs> we're just we're in an in flames here. Guess <laughs> I thank you uh, for coming, uh, running for the house in the 48th district, 48th district. and uh, you know, good luck. Thank you. Take I, care. Thank you for having me.